0: Hello and welcome back. It's episode 71 of Canberra Conversations with your host, Colin Campbell. And today's conversation, we are talking about loving yourself like your life depends on it, networking, and 75 hard. To do so, we are joined by Danny Miranda, who is the host of the Danny Miranda podcast, a writer, and a ray of positive energy. I do not say that term lightly because throughout this podcast, you will be reassured that Danny is somebody that brings a massive amount of positive energy to every conversation that he has. And I'm very grateful that we managed to have one on this podcast. Throughout the podcast, expect to learn about Danny's background in online content creation, website building, and even blogging as a teenager. Beyond that, Danny shares how loving himself like his life depended on it, alongside the 75 Hard program, was the catalyst for discovering his purpose within life. As we go through this conversation, expect to understand further about what 75 75 Hard involves, as well as how he's gone about creating and recording over 100 podcast episodes in 200 days. This is not an episode to take lightly, and it was an conversation I loved recording at the time with Danny. I'm pleased to say that today's podcast is brought to you by MTN Coaching. Founder David Hatt has appeared three times now on the podcast to share his wisdom on all things business and fitness and David heads up a team of six fitness coaches who come together to form Scotland's leading online fitness coaching service. They provide bespoke programming to clients around the world to enable you to lose fat build muscle while still enjoying your lifestyle and building fitness as a lifestyle habit rather than an arduous part of your day. You can visit mtncoaching.co.uk and inquire today. Before we dive head first into this episode, please, if you aren't already subscribed, hit that subscribe button and take the time, if you are on Apple Podcasts, to leave a five-star review in order for the podcast to keep growing, keep ranking, and keep allowing me to get high quality guests like Danny on the podcast. Without any further ado, let's get into my conversation with Danny Miranda. <laughs> welcome back to another episode of cambroke conversations and today's conversation we are talking about loving yourself like your life depends on it with danny miranda danny is the host of the danny miranda show and a beacon of positive energy at all times danny welcome to the podcast
1: thank you for having me in the very nice introduction i really appreciate it my man thank you you
0: you certainly know as a podcast host danny it's important to bring the good energy in the introduction and i think we both managed to do that don't we
1: One hundred percent. I mean, what you say at the beginning and and how you connect with the guest is really important from the jump, you know. And we were talking before, and I'm like, wow, this dude is so personal. This dude can connect, and so it's very important to get the guest to open up in the first few minutes of the podcast.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly a subject we'll get onto as the as the podcast goes, and to put a a pin in that, but ultimately it's clear that you achieve that with your guests, that some of the frank conversations you've been able to have. I've been lucky enough to have some similar conversations in recent times where people were almost moved to tears in the podcast. It's been incredible to like dive into that depth of emotion with people. And I think as a host, you and I need to be capable of just sometimes sitting back, asking the right questions, but like you say, making them feel incredibly comfortable with the experience.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's a skill. And when you get better at it, the more you do it and you don't even realize that, making sure that you're not overstepping your boundaries and making sure that you are are appropriately in the conversation but not making the conversation about you. If you're in your position, you know what I'm saying? It's so important. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I love that. So, Danny, I've introduced you as a, a podcast host and, and, a, and a beacon of positivity. But <laughs> who is Danny Miranda in 2021 to you?
1: Danny Miranda in 2021 is someone who is trying to not only find himself on a daily basis, but trying to become the highest version of himself on a daily basis. And that goes from anything from challenges, physical, mental challenges to just reading to consuming great, rich content podcasts like this podcasts like modern wisdom, like we were talking about before, just people who make you think. And that that's what, what Danny Miranda 2021 is all about.
0: Yeah, I think we can see that you're living that, and it's not just an aphorism that you throw out there or a, a kind <laughs> of a, a tagline. And again, it's funny the conversation we had before. Maybe we should just hit record because it was it was a it was serious energy. But have you always been this focused? Like, I know that there's been times when that's not been the case, but I think the listeners would love to learn about that, Danny.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because people will talk to me and be like, dude, you're so full of energy. And I just want to let them know that I I was just the opposite only 12 months ago, you know, or February of 2020. I was in real depression, really not understanding my purpose on the world and really just struggling. And it was through meditation and finding myself. It was through doing challenges like 75 hard, which I'm sure we'll talk about. It was through challenging myself every day do I get to this place of higher energy and continuing to do it? It's not like I just did that one day, right? And was like, okay, I'm pursuing the highest version of myself. It's got to be a string of positive days that you need to get to, to the point where all of a sudden you're looking at yourself and you've been working for the past three weeks and you're like, damn, I'm a different person today than I was three weeks ago. And that gets you excited because you did something from that day to three weeks from that day and, and you're like, Okay, if I did that in three weeks, what else can I do? And it just makes you excited and energized and full of life is what it does.
0: It's interesting you use the three weeks because I fear that a lot of people don't give themselves enough time to make the change. And you say, for example, we're going to talk about 75 hard, which is longer than three weeks, but giving yourself the opportunity to see change is massive. I, I, I'll I, be open and frank, I I have really struggled with meditation. There's lots of other self-development progressive habits that I've got but that's one that I've never given the three weeks and I know that I, I'm self-aware enough to know that but then there's other habits that I've built where I've just been meticulous and the, it's compounded and the interest has has grown and and, and and got to a place where it's now second nature like for example in my training I would feel like I hadn't brushed my teeth if I hadn't I would if I didn't do my morning walk it'd be the same I wonder what some of those are for you Danny
1: it's that walk. Like you said, I need to take at least one walk a day. Basically, it's training and using the gym I have downstairs with the barbell and some dumbbells is very important to me. It's um, meditating. Meditating is probably the biggest one where if I don't do it, like my mom or brother will tell me, you know, what's going on today? Is Are you all right? And they didn't even know that I didn't meditate, but it's gotten to this point where I'm just like a different person when I do that versus not, I would say that's the biggest one in terms of just feeling like whole feeling like I am who I am.
0: Yeah. This whole that you are in 2021, like you say, you had this challenging period in early 2020. However, as a young man, you were by all accounts, pretty high agency. You had your website for time management at at 13. What, what was, what was Danny Miranda like in his teens? And, How did you get to the, maybe the low point in 2020?
1: Yeah, so in my teens, I was always on the internet. I was always thinking about ways to put content out on the internet. I don't know why, I don't know like what compelled me to do it, but I just saw this thing, the internet, like me being able to connect to people all over the world. And I was like, why am I taking advantage of that? Even at 13, that was just like my natural inclination. And what happened was society programs out of you who you truly are, is what I believe, if you are not able to take that on. I was someone who's very, very much, I conform to my environment more than the average person, I believe. And when my environment, when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, was drinking and and just like having fun and going to parties, I was like, yeah, I want to do that too. I don't want to play on the internet. You know, I want to be a normal kid. Um, And so what happened was the more that I went inwards and the more that I figured myself out, the more that I realized, oh, as a kid, I was doing this. And that's who I really am. I'm someone who writes, who puts themselves out on the internet, who just connects with others and is from this place of meditation and listening to myself that I find out who I truly was.
0: Yeah, I I can completely see that. And it's an interesting concept that what we were interested in as fairly young children and teenagers quite often is our higher calling, so to speak. And I know that sounds really deep and spiritual and some of the listeners will maybe be like, Ooh, Colin, you're going deep tonight. But I think that you can see that in what you've discovered now through the practice of meditation, you look back and you've reviewed that. This makes me happy. This gives me purpose. And the the P word purpose is so significant nowadays in a a society in an environment where a lot of us are are stripped of that through either unfulfilling careers or even during the pandemic where maybe people couldn't work you saw that people for a while were okay with maybe getting the kind of we we had in this country furlough Danny where basically you were paid 80 percent of your salary while the businesses were closed and whatnot and some people were loving it they're like oh the weather's great but after a while of like messing about all day like drinking partying whatever it was i suppose maybe you're in isolation you shouldn't be doing too much of that but a lot of people found that they had no purpose because there was no meaningful work no meaningful uh testing of their skill set and so for you to then go through that period of like an extended kind of partying during your late teens that makes total sense that happens to all of us but to rediscover your purpose that's special
1: yeah it it was special and I want to point out that it wasn't that my purpose just came to me, you know, all of a sudden it actually happened after three months of putting in the work from March to May where I'm sitting outside in May and I just like get a vision for what I want to be on my um, tombstone. Right. And it was just like this moment, like where you're like, wow, this is crazy. Like my purpose, like to make the world happier, healthier, and wiser is like, that was just like bolted into my brain. And that happened after I was doing everything, you know, you should be doing for three months. Like I was meditating, I was working out. I was I was eating correctly and med- and like all the right things. And if you do all the right things long enough, eventually it gets to you what you should be doing is my belief at least.
0: Yeah, I think living as a young adult, as you said, you, you had this period. I've heard you say before that you had a bit of a distraction of money away from this purpose of helping people become their highest virgin while you become yep. your highest virgin as well. What, what distracted you?
1: I got out of college and I just had – I hadn't spent a lot of time, if any, listening to myself. What do I truly want? Instead, I was – as soon as I got out of college or, or university – I don't know which one it is for you guys, but I get out and I'm like, I need to make money. I need to make as much as possible. And I don't want to work for anyone. I want to do it all on my own and figure it out. And so I'm sitting there like, okay, what are the ways to make money? And i that's just the only thing that consumed my brain. Not like how to help people, not how to help myself. None of that. Just how can I make money? And I went down that road for a year and a half about, and it was just at, towards the end, my soul was like, crushed. It was not, I was not acting in alignment and I was going to all different things, right? So maybe this will help someone if they can see themselves I wouldn't admit to myself that I didn't enjoy what I was doing on a day-to-day basis, making money, but I was drinking all the time. I was gambling. I was finding any excuse not to do what I said I was going to do. Like my job, basically all these signs should have pointed me to the fact that like, dude, you're not doing something right. But instead they, I was denying it because I'd built my identity up around e-commerce and dropshipping. And I was just like, it was tough. And then once I made that decision, it was like a weight off my shoulders. And even though I wasn't making money, I felt like, oh, wow, this is right. This is the path that I should be going down.
0: It's really funny that you, you give the example of going out and hustling yourself and being unhappy because a lot of the traditional stories in this space would be Somebody went into a corporate nine-five. Maybe they went down the traditional path, po- uh, path, sorry, post-college university of joining a graduate scheme or working your way up as an intern within within a big corporate business. And that maybe left you unfulfilled, but you actually went after and chased what a lot of people would think is like the entrepreneurial online business dream. And that didn't register. And that, that, that I think is an important lesson for anyone listening that it's not just the corporate careers that maybe people don't get stimulation from there are certain online businesses and certain things that you can do in the, in the hustle and bustle of entrepreneurship that also will not tick the boxes for you.
1: 100%. And I think that gets lost so much because if you're getting sold this dream, basically, like I was of like, okay, if you have your own business, then you can be free and feel good and be happy. And I totally bought into that, but I didn't really spend any time listening to myself. I didn't say like, is this what I truly want? Is this what my heart's calling for? Is this my soul's purpose to do this business? And it wasn't. And, you know, that's not to say that you have to like know your soul's purpose at all times. And like that, that has to be your forefront. Sometimes you just have to make money, right? Like and understandably like life gets in the way um, and you'll maybe find your soul's purpose along the way. But for me, I tried this out for a while. It didn't feed me in any way, and I had to to cut it out. But that's such a great point that you bring up.
0: Yeah, equally, I think one of the reasons I enjoy your podcast so much, Danny, is that you've mixed that very deep spiritual self-aware language of the soul and my heart and my ambitions and my purpose, but also with the fact that sometimes you will just have to work to to get the paycheck, to put yourself in a position where you're financially stable enough to then go and chase what the purpose is. And uh, I think, I know you're heavily influenced by, by, by Gary V. And well, certainly when you were in your younger days, and I know you've had him on the podcast, which was incredible, mate. And it's funny that we look at it in this lens where I need to be financially secure enough to put myself in a position where I can do the things that I really care about. And that doesn't necessarily mean, like you say, you don't have to work for yourself. Maybe it could be a corporate job or, a, or, a, or working under somebody in a business that is in an industry or a, a field that you have a genuine passion and care for as well.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think a, a big part of it is like everyone's at a different stage in their life, and we sometimes come into problems when we start comparing our stage to someone else instead of like saying, "Oh, that person, what that person's doing, cool. What that person's doing is cool. I'd love to do something like that in the future." But when we get into that, that problem of like, oh, I wish I was that person because of X, Y, and Z. And they're 20 years older than you and have had time to figure things out. Gary Vaynerchuk's, I think 45 years old. So 25 20 years older than me. It's like, you know, that's that's a huge difference. So me comparing myself to him doesn't really do me any good from that perspective. But I can take lessons from him. I can say to myself, oh wow, the way he handles this situation is really interesting. Maybe I could handle a situation like that in the future too. Um, so that's just like what I think about on a day-to-day basis of like, you know, how can we not get beat ourselves up because someone else is doing something cool or beat someone else up because we think what someone else is doing is not cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Such, such, such valuable points. And I suppose to wrap that up, there's so much of self-awareness is valuable here where you understand what's going to fulfill you in the longer term. What is going to take that financial box? Of course, because. I don't think everyone should work in their passion if they can't monetize it to an extent that's going to lead to them leading a happy lifestyle or a comfortable lifestyle for them and their family. But I think that's a fantastic way to look at it, Danny. And one area that I'm so keen to dive in with you is around 75 hard, which I think you would credit with putting yourself in the position that you're in now to some extent. 100%.
1: 75 hard is this 75-day program where for 75 days, every day, no days off, you have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction or self help book. You have to do two workouts. One of them has to be outside, 45 minutes apiece. You have to take a progress picture, drink a gallon of water, and follow a diet of your choosing with no alcohol involved at all or cheat meals or anything like that. And before doing this program, I was someone who was always searching for the next quick hack, the next. How am I going to make the next bit of money for the next month or the next week or the next year? And then I started, I did the program. And while I'm doing the program, I realized, like, oh, wow, I'm putting in hard work every day. And at the end of 75 days, that's two and a half months, I'm not going to be where I want to be because it just, I can't get there in that amount of time. It's impossible, you know? Um, So then I said to myself, okay, well, that's a good thing because then I'm going to need to be thinking longer than just this two and a half months. I'm going to need to be thinking about the next year and the next two years and the next five years. I need to be doing things that are going to help me for years and years and years and play infinite games. So yeah, that's why it changed my life because I was was a short-term thinker before and I was a long-term thinker after.
0: It's funny how a lot of that is physical and yes the output of it is a better physique, an excellent exercise habit, good nutritional habits, good input to your body from a a water perspective, a food perspective. But the ultimate outcome has been your mindset has changed. I wonder what it is about the program that really pushes that. Is it the testing nature of it?
1: I believe that it's more... I believe it's because it's more than your average workout. Like you go on a training program, most trainers will say, okay, like four days a week, five days a week is is solid. You're going to do six days at the gym, like A plus, you're killing it. For this, it's like, you now need to do 14 workouts a week. Um, And you're going to do 150 workouts in the program. And, you know, you can't think about it like that. Because that's overwhelming. 150 workouts on day two. You you have 148 left. Instead, you have to think of it like, okay, I can do it today. I can get this done today. And that's why, because it forces you to reframe so much. I mean, I remember going out of my my door in San Diego, and I'm I'm I have a weighted vest on, and I'm like, okay, just one foot in front of the other. And that was just the thought that came up because I needed to because. I couldn't think about like, I'm going to carry this 40 pounds now for another 45 minutes. It's like, no, that's too much. Just one foot in front of the other. So then you start breaking down these big things into smaller steps and it's a, such a game changer. So that's one of the reasons I think.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's crazy how there's different strands to the program where, like you say, expanded your thought process from beyond the seven, to beyond the 75 days in terms of, I will need to do a lot more for the longer term to get to where I want to be but then equally within each task, breaking it down to a tiny amount. So like you say, the, 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 the 45 minute run with the, with the, with the vest on that's step after step, but equally when you're looking at doing 75 days in a row, you're thinking beyond that. And you're thinking I need to think longer term for mind body business.
1: It's macro and micro is what makes it so great. And that, You know, you have to focus on the day-to-day and the day-to-day focus changes you and the macro changes you as well. I mean, I just remember, you know, I was struggling through this program, but like enjoying the struggle of it. And I'm on like day 50 struggling and then, but getting through it every day. And then day 76, just drinking beers with my friends, excited, happy. But the crazy thing was, I was happier like on reflection. I was happier on day 50 struggling than I was on day 76. And I said, what is going on here? I thought the celebration supposed to be the best part. And then I realized like, Oh, that whole thing about the journey being better than the destination. That's actually true. But it wasn't until I actually had been able to witness that and thought it myself, did it, was it something that I could really put my teeth around and it's since informed every decision I've made and every single thing I do from the the podcast logo I have of the of the show is like a guy looking up at the mountain for that reason because the, the destination of that journey is going to be the greatest thing to just like the podcast itself. It's like, I want it to be a long journey. I want it to be fun. I don't want to just be a number one podcast overnight. Like I want it to be the journey. That's what I, I'm really trying to uh, do. And so the program has just impacted me on such a way that I can't do anything and not think about it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's that's profound. And an interesting point you raise around the celebration piece of like, beers with your friends on day 76 because the alcohol is back allowed again. Maybe you don't have to train twice, so there's you're, you don't mind being a little bit hungover the next day. But what's the drop off like from a program that is pretty extreme? Like, I, I wonder whether, and maybe yep. you can tell me otherwise, whether you could live like 75 hard, forever or is there like a baseline
1: yeah you know what's really interesting about it is it raises your self-image and raises your expectation for yourself and the problem with that is when you're not on the program you know oh shit i'm capable of doing two workouts a day i know i'm capable of doing 10 pages of reading you know you know you're capable of all this stuff so when you're not on it it could almost make you feel worse in a sense where you're like, I'm not, I'm not living up to my expectations. And so that's very real. And it's very troubling for people also who start the program, but don't finish it because they're going through the same thing. They did it for, for seven days and they got through seven days, but then on day eight, you know, they said, Oh, I'm not doing this anymore, but they knew they could do it for seven days. And that haunts you in the back of your mind from what, you know, friends have told me and stuff. So yeah, man, it's, um, it's it's really interesting from a psychological perspective if you can keep it up and what the downsides really are to doing a program like this. Because, you know, people just say like, do 75 hard, it'll change your life like I do all the time. But I don't really think about like, there are downsides to not being on the program. There are downsides to raising your self-image. Um, there are downsides that I'm willing to live with, but not everyone may be.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think like you say, this horses for courses sometimes and some people will absolutely thrive under the program. Like you say, it will change your life, but making sure that post the program, there's something in place, some sort of structure that is your minimum base level of output. What does that look like now? Cause I know you've done uh, another round or another phase of 75 hard, but yes. what is the kind of the base level now for Danny Miranda on an operational level? Cause it's not, it's not drinking and partying with friends. I know that much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the to-do list is something that I need every single day. And on the days and the weeks that I don't use a to-do list, I notice a serious drop-off in what I can do. And that sounds like such a basic thing. And for most people, it probably is. But like me personally, I notice such a huge change when I'm consistent with my to-do list, when I'm consistent with what I need to do versus when I'm not. So that's my kind of way of, of staying disciplined is, having the to-do list, checking it off, because when I don't have it, and there's weeks when I I don't use one, I, I notice a serious difference. And the other thing is noticing when I start dropping off. Like, I'll give you an example. In the last couple of weeks of March, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing as much as I can. So for me, I think to myself, okay, I need to make a change here. And then I go on the phase two program, which I start today. It's like, I, I know I'm not, I'm not, I know I'm not doing what I'm capable of right in this moment in the past two weeks. So let me attack and let me get back to that routine because within four days, I'm going to be a completely different person. I know myself, I, I operate on these programs and it's just being aware of yourself, aware when you're slipping off and not beating yourself up. Like there are times for ultra productivity. There are times for, to, to take the foot off the gas, but once you are aware of it, then you can change it and then you can do something about it.
0: It, it falls back to that self-awareness piece as you've nicely articulated there, Danny. One of the other ways that you have improved your self-awareness and your self-image and who you are is through the the book by Kamal Ravikant, Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Would that be in the top book that you would recommend to most people?
1: I think it is the, the a book that I, I've gifted seven times in the past year. It's legitimate in terms of money where your mouth is, I give this book away like it's candy because I realized the potential for it. And I was actually thinking about why I came across it. And it was because Tim Ferriss uh, said that this was the only book that he was going to read in 2020. And so that was like, whoa, that's legit. And I read it at a time when I was really struggling in life that February 2020. And I saw this guy, Kamal Ravikant. He had his friend pass away. He had his girlfriend break up with him and he had his business collapse all within the same week. And he used this practice to get to a place of, of feeling one with himself and feeling and loving himself. Right. So it was that, that convinced me that I should just try this practice and see what happens. And what do you know, Kamal's a human being. I'm a human being. It worked for him. It worked for me. Um, and it it will work for anyone if you give it a a fair shot.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. And I've used the term, and I think you've used the term before as well, that kind of woo-woo practice would have frightened the life out of maybe a less actualized Danny, a less actualized Colin. And giving these things a chance beyond three weeks, I think is the the kind of magic thing that we were almost talking about at the start there, is something that has a, a big benefit. What did loving yourself look like Danny?
1: Loving myself looked practically like telling myself I love myself on a consistent basis. It was following the routine that he was talking about, like looking at yourself in the mirror and telling yourself you love yourself for five minutes straight. Uh, but, you know, loving yourself when I first heard it kind of seems like, like, what does that mean? Right? Like, what is that? And what I realized was loving yourself is doing difficult things. And when I was doing 75 hard, I was loving myself. And when I go to the gym when I don't want to and go on a long run because I, when I don't want to, that's loving yourself too. When you're eating right, that's loving yourself. And you know, loving yourself is not about doing what's easiest in the moment. It's actually about doing difficult things that extend you beyond where you currently are to a new version of yourself in some respect. I mean, if you go through a hard workout, you're a different person at the end of that hard workout than you were before. That's a higher version of yourself in some respect. And so that's what loving yourself is, to me. It's it's pursuing difficult things. It's being willing to look at in the face of a challenge and taking that first step and completing the challenge. And it's just living up to the highest version of you.
0: Yeah, I was wrapped in that there, Danny. Uh, Ultimately, the practical action for people to take away is if they were to read this book is that, first of all, telling yourself in the mirror, which is a really hard thing to do. I love myself, I love myself, I love myself. But the other application, which I think a lot of people would maybe find easier, hopefully, is doing the thing that will pay off for future you. And I think one of the things that screamed out at me when you were talking about doing the workout when you didn't want to do it, ticking off the items on the to-do list when they were hard. If from a business perspective, I always try and use an example for my kind of business development and sales career, making the phone call that you know will maybe get you closer to the the meeting that you want next week or the, the target or the bonus that you're working towards. Doing the hard things now for your future self, that is an action that shows love for you as a being.
1: 100%, I couldn't agree more.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really been thought provoking for me, for me, for me to put that into words there, Danny. And is that, would that be your definition of love then? Like serving your future self or is there other definitions you would fall into?
1: I love that one. I also love the idea of love is when two beings are connected in one moment, right? It really makes you think. And that happens when we laugh, when, whenever you laugh with someone, you and them are loving you're loving that person in that moment. And to that point, to what you were saying before, when you are doing that difficult thing, you are loving your future self in that moment, which is a a brain trip. If you really think about it.
0: Yeah. 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 You're coming together as future you and, and, and present you. And I love these conversations that challenge where my kind of fitness bro, hardworking businessmen like closing sales and closing deals that ability to be self-aware has become a bit of a superpower for me because it's enabled me to access other areas of me that I wasn't utilizing previously and I would urge other people to delve into themselves and think about these different things as well the other thing that I find really interesting about you Danny is that how you consider your acts and your deeds as creation when did your mind start to shift towards that and why?
1: <laughs> this is great. Creation to me is what we do in every moment. Well, I'll, I'll take that back. When we are doing things that if we were to do them tomorrow, like if we were to have this this call tomorrow, it would be slightly different. There would be some change to it. And that should indicate when you are creating. And that's like that takes some while to wrap your head around, or at least it did for me. And it was just like, oh wow. Okay. If that's the case, then writing is creation and and talking is creation and podcasting and creating video. And it's like, wow, I'm creating all the time. And you know what's really fascinating is like the best entrepreneurs, the best um athletes, they're creators, they're creating in this moment. So It's near and dear to me. And I think that when we're creating, we're connecting with our soul. We're connecting with our future self. We're connecting with someone we could be to swing it all around. And it's just such an important part of everything that I've done in the past 12 months.
0: Yeah. Viewing your acts as creation, I think maybe makes you even more careful about them, so to speak. And giving the example of our conversation, maybe... A workout, maybe something that you're writing to share on social media, or an email that you're sharing within work, or a presentation you're giving to your boss or an external company, a client, a prospect. That is creation in its clear form. Are there any other, like, less common examples, Danny, that you think of things as creation as?
1: I would say, hmm. No, I think the one that really struck me was conversations and speaking to someone, I think that I never really viewed creation as speaking to anyone. Like speaking with just a conversation, what do you mean we're creating? But when I started to view it like that, it it got a sense of like nobility to it. Like if you're creating a piece of writing or if you're creating a book, that is powerful. If you're creating a conversation, it's the same power. Um, So that's the really big one that made me shift in some way and was like, Wow, this is serious. What I'm doing here, um, these conversations that I'm having. So yeah,
0: yeah, and I actually think the conversations away from even being recorded are acts of creation as well. Like
1: yes,
0: uh, again, you and I are both um, big fans of Chris Williamson. He's been a guest on this podcast. He's an upcoming guest on on yours, which is exciting, and for. One of his recommendations, he talks about having a half hour or 60 minute conversation with one of your friends, with your phones out the room, just the two of you together. And honestly, even away from the podcast, I love doing a kind of phone free chat, a phone free dinner, a phone free catch up with a friend. Like we go for a walk during coronavirus and the pandemic. I've gone for more walks with more friends than I've ever done. And it's, been, it's But it's amazing because you're both fully present within the conversation and viewing that as creation and Putting forward the best possible ideas and commentary and thoughts and taking in what theirs are. That's that's you're creating something beautiful, hopefully.
1: It's so rare in today's day and age when it's so easy to get distracted by Instagram, Twitter, whatever. And if you are fully in the moment, like I have you full screen right now, there's nothing that could direct my attention away from you. And that's so powerful because that doesn't happen often in a world where so many things are vying for your attention. And you only get to that point by like putting your phones away, recording a podcast. And it's so powerful, man. It really is. So
0: yeah, that presence piece is honestly one of the most underrated abilities in the, in, in day-to-day life. And I have some pretty elaborate systems to try and enable me to be present during my working day, during my even like, preparing podcasts and stuff like that when i'm maybe doing research about about you danny or about an upcoming guest it's really easy to like be checking twitter or what you've been up to or listen to one of your podcasts and then get another stimulus like instagram or whatsapp or linkedin or to start maybe doing another task in the background and you're thinking if i was just all in on this my time would be better spent and anyone that if i'm present with in general conversation the connections i've built with my friends over the last 18 months two years through more phone-free time together means that I'm a better friend than I've ever been.
1: Yeah, and what are some of those systems that you use
0: for like phone-free stuff? So obviously, basic stuff like notifications off. Uh, you'll know yourself with a busy Twitter, the Instagram for myself is is busy, so that needs to be be off. All group chat notifications off as well. Really, uh, between about eight thirty and just after twelve o'clock during my working day when I'm on my kind of business development hustle. I have my personal phone out of the room. It's on loud. So if my mom, my dad, or my brother, or some sort of emergency had to phone me on that, I can go and take it. But ultimately, it's about having that. On my work laptop, which I use, I'm not logged into any socials apart from LinkedIn, where I share content in that space. And I also, if I'm not working on work email, you get so many emails at a corporate business, especially one the size of the one that I work at. And it's constant if I'm working on like a spreadsheet or a presentation, or I'm making my outbound calls in the morning to uh, financial directors, manager directors, I'm trying to speak to, then I have my uh, email closed as well. So that is kind of helping me to be digital free from as far as possible. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes those rules slide, but that is my absolute peak performance environment, Danny, in order to be productive.
1: Yeah, that those sound great. And I'm going to, utilize some of those as well in the future
0: yeah the interesting one with regards to like i don't, I don't know what you do for your for your promo quite because I, I only follow you on twitter but for my podcast episodes i'll do like i'll cut two three four 30 40 second audio clips on this and i'll post them on instagram stories i will post them on my grid and when i'm listening back to the podcast when i cut it and i go to save it and while that's reloading I can. i found myself going and try and do another task because I can't wait like a minute to wow. for that to load. I'm getting better at it, and I'm trying to sit with the discomfort of waiting for it to go rather than like, oh, I'll go and clear this email, or I'll go and clear this Instagram message, or I'll go and clear this um, this spreadsheet that I'm doing for for another task altogether, like multitasking at once. And that's been a that's been something that I've noticed. I think our ability to tolerate discomfort or waiting and we seek distraction really quick
1: that is so crazy that you notice that and speaks to your level of self-awareness as someone who doesn't even meditate frequently like you were saying before that is incredible because that discomfort took me like i don't know months of meditation to realize that that was there i say that you know The, the reason why I realized that meditation worked was because I'd been doing it for three months and I sat at a red light and I felt my body get agitated. And I was like, I noticed it. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. Like, and then I laughed at myself and it was from that place that I was like, oh, this meditation stuff actually works. So for you to be able to notice that you are getting discomfort from that short period of time is incredible, man and speaks to your level of self-awareness?
0: Yeah, the big thing for me self-awareness-wise has been journaling. So a gratitude journal. I'm a big proponent of the six-minute diary because when I tried to journal freestyle, I know that's more your um passion in terms of journaling when i tried to journal freestyle some days i would just find it too sore to start and i wasn't sure what yep. to write and what to put and equally sometimes i'd write something i really didn't fucking want to like write and it kind of hurt and that's fine when there's structure within it because i know i can move on to another point that maybe makes me
1: wow. better, and
0: i can be a bit happier about it but the structure of the six minute diary it's three minutes in the morning three minutes at night Uh, three things you're grateful for and you're looking forward to in the day, how you'll make that day fantastic and then a positive affirmation. So that's really easy because the structure's there and I'm quite a type A personality and I like to tick boxes off and knowing that there's a set number of questions and kind of a set time limit to get them done, that's great for me and that's helped my self-awareness. Equally, I'm never going to rule out meditating. I'm having some really interesting conversations coming up on the podcast with people who are like you, huge, 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 advocates of that practice but at the moment i think sometimes we can overload with self-development habits and making sure that we get the maximum return for the ones that we do is hugely important so i suppose when you look at things at like 75 hard there's probably things within that that you don't mind coming out but then you have non-negotiables that have to stay in in order for you to function
1: yeah 100 and that's so good that you've gotten to the point where you're like okay this is great And I'm not ruling it out, but right now it's not for me because once you start diving down that rabbit hole, there's a million things you can improve and there's a million ways to improve, which is awesome. And they're actually really helpful, but it's like, it could also be too much at a certain point. And knowing that is so important.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, of knowing things, Danny, and speaking of keeping habits and positive routines up, you have a three month rule share that with the audience.
1: Yeah. So I actually brought up the three month rule to Kamal Ravikant and he was like, nah, it's, it's one month for me. It's more like four weeks. So it's just interesting. Everyone has their own rules. Everyone has their own ways of thinking about the world. And, you know, for anyone listening, like disregard this, if it's not helpful to you, but the three month rule that I like to say is that the person you are today is the result of the things you've been doing for the past three months, and. That is both scary and exciting, and obviously, it's not a hundred percent. You are part of what you were in your childhood and what you're doing before. But if you look at it, a large part of how you're feeling on the day to day today, I would ask you look back at your last three months and say, "Was I enjoying my day? Was I pursuing a higher version of myself? Was I doing the things that I know I should be doing?" Um, and if you could answer that yes, and honestly yes, then there's a good chance you're going to be happy with yourself. There's a good chance. But the thing is, if you stop doing those things today and stop doing them for the next three months, you're going to say to yourself, damn, I'm not happy with myself. I'm not where I want to be. And it, it is a subtle reminder to us that we're always just three months away from the person we want to be and the excitement that that brings.
0: Yeah. I think that's somewhere in between the, the micro and the macro where daily habits reflect what happens tomorrow. And then equally like, what you were doing last year reflects at this time this year, or like what's your five-year plan all these kind of things. And I like that it strikes the balance between those two. And equally, I, w- I was never one for massive motivational quotes, but sometimes a quote just summarizes an idea and a thought process. And one of my favorite quotes, and there's probably two versions of it. The first, the one that struck me, and I actually wrote it out when I was 16 or 17, I was first getting into weight training through, through rugby. And I wanted to be bigger and stronger and have more of an impact on the pitch when I was when I was growing up. And uh, one of my quotes was, today I will do what others will not so that tomorrow I can do what others cannot. And it was, and I'm, I'm, you're nodding along because I'm sure you know exactly what I mean, Danny, where I'm going to do things today that other people kind of pass up on. No, I don't want to do that. I can't be bothered. So that tomorrow I'll be doing things that they couldn't even dream of because they haven't put in the work behind that. And I think the three-month rule is a slight extension of that.
1: Yes, 100%. I love that quote. And then the second point I want to make about the three month rule is that, you know, there was a point in my life when I knew what the short term looked like, like the, the, what do I need to do on the day to day? And I knew the long term of where I wanted to go, but I couldn't see three months away for some reason. I couldn't see where the habits that I was doing today, how they were going to help me in three months. And it completely like hurt me in a real way. And it made me upset. And so I think it's so important to not just have the small-term goals and not just have the long-term goals, the short-term and the long-term, but also the medium-term. And that's what the three-month rule aims to accomplish.
0: Yeah, and it it all encapsulates nicely with the things that you have on your to-do list day-to-day as non-negotiables, whether it's as extreme as 75 hard or whether it's a scaled-back baseline version of that, which you know is the most kind of keystone and fundamentals that you you need. Talking about creating and short-term, medium-term or long-term goals, you set the goal of 100 podcasts. At the time of recording in early April, depending on when we release this, you've released 85. How have you found that process so far and why 100 episodes?
1: So 100 episodes was... Not short-term, and it wasn't long-term. It was something that I could wrap my head around. So going back to that point, the process so far has been so much fun. I started the podcast in part because I had so many conversations with people from Twitter who were random people all over the world, and I enjoyed the conversation so much, and the person on the other end enjoyed them so much. So it was intrinsically motivated, and I have loved it so much that I, I can't believe, like, that I found a purpose, found a calling, found something that it feels like this is what I was meant to be doing, having conversations with people, spreading the energy, you know, like just learning more about smart people. And it's just been incredibly rewarding and something I can't see myself living without.
0: Yeah, I, I can certainly find the process for myself really, really rewarding. The, at the time of recording, I've released about 61 podcasts. It's actually the first anniversary of the podcast being released, which has been amazing. Wow. And
1: Congratulations.
0: Thank you, Danny. And it's been an amazing, amazing experience, but there's lots of people out there that are never going to start a podcast. They're never going to start creating conversations like this. And I think hopefully the piece that we spoke about in terms of that presence of like phone-free time with your friend, having genuine deep conversations, it actually replaces that to a large extent. The fact is you're just not recording it and you weren't recording the brilliant phone calls that you were having, but you were getting yep. a massive benefit from them as well.
1: 100%, that's a great point. It is like, I had 15 or 20 of these calls and I was like, you know it's crazy that no one can benefit from this other than me and this person and and it's going to be gone so yeah that's that's so true that i was doing this before i was recording it and that's part of why it's it's so natural to me but i think that it wasn't natural for me before doing it um so like you said i i would implore everyone to try it at least 5 times put the phone in a different room or or put the phone on record and just see what happens, just see how that changes your interaction with a friend or a parent or a loved one.
0: Yeah, there's certainly a task for people to take away. You have generated some phenomenal conversations with your existing network, but it's clear that you've leveraged a lot of your skill set in terms of interacting with people to drive some great guests that you weren't previously connected with. What's that been like, and what are some of your favorite ones that you've managed to secure?
1: So it's so crazy because once you create something and put something in your soul out there, people see that people gravitate towards it. People are energized by it. I'm sure you've noticed this as well. It's like, it's been really cool because I, I got Gary Vaynerchuk on the podcast, but the truth is I didn't really get Gary Vaynerchuk on the podcast. The reason why he came on is because a friend of mine said, Hey, Gary, Danny should, you should go on Danny's podcast. I didn't do anything, right? So all credit to my man, LogFit6 on Twitter. It's like, he he was the one who pushed Gary to do it. Um, And it's just like, I had no idea that that would happen by making friends with Logan. I just thought Logan was a great dude. And so the point is, you don't know the ways in which your network can help you propel you up. You don't know the way in which your friends can help you. Um, but just like being a good dude, just like helping people, not expecting anything of them. Like those principles are timeless and they worked in uh, 1921 and they'll work in 2021 and they'll work in 2061, right? Like being a good person, giving with no expectations and just like letting the chips fall where they may.
0: Yeah, the principle of reciprocity is 100% real. But when you give without the expectation of receiving exactly the same back of the same monetary value or the same moral value or the same whatever value you want to ascribe uh, prescribe to something that is really really interesting to to hear Danny because I know that I've introduced countless people to go on other people's podcasts now I've had a lot of referrals to come on this one and that's a really good example but away from that uh, I've got a friend that's a videographer and he's recently just gone full time and I met him when he was doing his first video shoot for me and I've introduced him to five or six people that have done work with him and he's been fantastic. And he's introduced me to people who he thinks would be good on the podcast. And it's the way that we've networked and kind of reciprocated each other's introductions and energy really, really adds up. And there's so many different examples that you can do that away from content creation because I'm conscious that the majority of people listen to this will never want to make a podcast and that's fine. But using that in other areas of life, I think is huge.
1: Okay, so it sounds like you're someone, you're a connector, you're like me in the sense of always looking out for people, always using that reciprocity. How do you go about finding talented people? Because it seems like that's a skill of yours in some way. What, what types of things do you think about when you're looking at, okay, this person, how, they're, I want them on my podcast or I, I want to help them in some way? What are you thinking about, if anything?
0: One of the things, Danny, is they have to practice what they preach you and I were laughing before we started that you're high energy and you're very positive. If that wasn't the true version of yourself, you wouldn't last doing 85 podcasts for (laughs) an hour, an hour and a half each time because you'd get found out and that, that needs to be really important. So anyone that comes on the podcast needs to be, the real version of themselves as much as possible online because you cannot keep an act up for 45, 60 minutes. Some people maybe can, but you come off the call exhausted. You'd need to lie down after that because I know myself, whenever I put up a front, I'm tired after it. I've done it on nights out when I was younger. I thought I was like a particular kind of guy like bringing that different energy, which wasn't me. And when I'm authentically myself, I will come off this call energized so anyone that i want to connect with that has a talent that i rate and value it needs to be legitimate and need to practice what they preach i think that would be a a fundamental principle equally i think people have to be willing to speak to people even if they can't immediately see the financial return so again to give another example Uh, previous guest in the podcast Chris Burns savage scholar is a copywriter Danny and he has an incredible business he has a six-figure business he writes uh, sales and marketing emails for some of the leading fitness businesses in the world you wouldn't believe the businesses he works for but I had a friend that recently started a blog talking about rugby and he asked me he was like Colin I know you speak to a lot of different people maybe have blogs who do you think I should speak to and I said well Chris will speak to you. He'll take a half-hour call with you next week. You'll have to fit into his diary. It might be seven a.m. It might be eight o'clock at night. It'll just have to work around him. I did. I did the introduction, and Chris straight away was like, "Yeah, happy to talk about it. I used to play rugby. I love writing. Happy to help you out." But he could. He could sell his time for thousands of pounds. He's got court. He's got courses to be a better copywriter for thousands. But because you introduced him in the right way, and he's willing to do these things without immediate financial return. That's the sign of a good guy. And you use the term good dude. I can't get away with that, Danny. I'm not American, but I certainly I certainly am on that wavelength. So there's, there's two things that I think help me when it comes to networking and knowing who I should introduce to who.
1: It's long-term players. People who aren't just in it for a quick buck like I was prior to doing 75 hard. It's people who are thinking past today because it, those are the people that five years from now, are going to be completely different. And I think what, what I noticed in you is like, you're noticing that someone can change and be more in the next moment or the next year than they are today in the sense of what you see them as, right? Like that, that videographer, he wasn't full-time videographer when you met him, but now he all of a sudden is. And like people change, people develop. And if they're long-term thinkers and long-term players and good people, then they're going to be people you want to side with as well.
0: Yeah, you can see potential. I think you can because it falls back into what their day-to-day short-term processes are. Like are yeah. they, like the three-month rule, we can expand out to a year, whatever it needs to be. But if you see what they're doing right now and you know this guy's going places. So you're releasing three podcasts a week. I know you've aimed for 100. You're going to go beyond that, let's be honest. And, yes. and, and you can see that your podcast is going to grow to a certain level. Touch wood. I hope people that listen to this know that this podcast is going place as well, because I'm ticking the box. I'm doing the processes. And I think you can see that in people that are in other domains as well. And when you realize that they're legit and they're the real deal, it makes you comfortable doing the introduction as well. Because imagine you introduce somebody to somebody, Danny, and they weren't, they didn't follow up. They didn't follow through. They didn't deliver you. That, that wouldn't be a great introduction.
1: Yeah. It, it's, um, it's just it's just long-term games, right? Like long-term games with long-term people, people who are are who practice what they preach and who are are willing to put in the work and and consistently over time. So, that that's what it's all about for me.
0: Yeah, I, I feel that energy. The last kind of area that I wanted to ask you before we ask where it's best to connect with you, Danny, is around some of the other challenges that you've done. It's clear that 75 hards had a profound effect. You seem like somebody that responds well to extreme challenges. So one of the ones that I saw you writing about in your blog was waking at 6 a.m. every day. Yes. What was that like? And why do you gravitate towards these challenges?
1: Waking up at 6 a.m. was the hardest thing that I've done. And it, it was tough, man. Like, because it's not my natural body rhythm and it's also fighting against my environment. And to answer your question about like why I gravitate towards challenges, I think that they're a way for me to publicly use accountability to pursue the highest version of myself. When I put out this challenge that I'm doing 75 hard, I'm doing waking up at 6am, I don't want to let down people. And if I don't, end up doing the challenge, if I end, end up, you know, not waking up at 6am, which, you know, it took me 22 days and I, I didn't complete it. And it's one that I need to check off my bucket list again. Cause it only 22 days, not, not 30. Like that's embarrassing to me in some way. And that there's real accountability there. So, you know, I think that it, I'm someone that thrives off accountability, thrives off my environment. Like I said before, knowing myself, I'm just inclined to, to be more into the group than more of a chameleon than someone else might be. So in order to guard against that, whereas I could do that for drinking and partying, I'm instead saying, okay, group, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do the 75 hard challenge and use my environment to use the, make the group help me become the best version of myself
0: yeah yeah <laughs> i don't think you're alone in wanting to be a chameleon i think genetically evolutionary we're designed to want to be part of the tribe it's a great and, point and, and and that's certainly the case and there'll be a lot of people listening anyone that clicks in a podcast like this is interested in self-development anyone that's listened up to this point is interested in self-development they're wanting to hopefully learn from us or give us positive feedback or give us constructive feedback about what they took from it but there will be times during their lives and times during our lives, you and I, Danny, that we have conformed in order to fit within the tribe. So it's very interesting that you're, again, that self-awareness piece of I know that I like to conform sometimes. I could conform with this group or I could conform with a group that's doing 75 hard. I could conform with a group that is in CrossFit and trains hard as fuck six days a week, or I could conform with a group of podcasters who are producing Two or three week uh, episodes a week, I could conform with a group of people within my workplace who are smashing their target. What are they doing? What what habits have they got? I'm going to go conform with that rather than conform with something that you know would take you to a lower level of yourself.
1: I think we look at conforming as a naturally a bad thing because, uh, especially in the United States, where you know you have a leader and like you you galvanize and you and you can be all those things, but it's like. Also, understand like hunter and gatherer tribes, we needed to be friends with everyone to stay alive, to get fed. And that's that puts it really in perspective of why we are naturally conforming species and conforming. And so, yeah, I think it's important to lean into that as opposed to minimize it. Use it for your benefit, use it for to help yourself. And that's what I aim to do.
0: Yeah, to wrap that point up, Danny, conforming to a group or a type of activity that serves your quest for a higher purpose certainly seems like something that you've got an awareness that you're trying to do
1: hell yeah i try you know
0: yes well i have absolutely loved today's conversation danny it's generally been one of my favorites i've done on the podcast the energy has been incredible i hope the listeners have enjoyed it as well if they have done danny where should they head to connect with you
1: well, if they've enjoyed it or they haven't, they should give me feedback on Twitter at hey Danny Miranda. I love hearing about ways I could be better. I love hearing about whatever your feedback of the conversation. I also have a podcast, the Danny Miranda Podcast. You can check out if you want to hear me ask questions like Colin did today so eloquently and beautifully. Thank you, my man, for having me. This has been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Both of those will be linked in the show notes below. I'm sure you've all enjoyed this conversation. If you have, I'm going to ask you for to do two things. First of those, take a screenshot, share it in your Instagram story, tag me at call.cambro and ping me a message what you think off the back of it. And the second of those, as the podcast continues to grow and reach more and more people, getting enough listeners to allow me to get guests on like Danny, share it with a friend that you think needs to hear this and we will grow this audience together and I'll be back to speak to you all again very, very soon.